Market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast. Well, it's not up as much as car prices, put it that way. I'm Scott Phillips and with me, as always, Andrew Page. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, mate. How are you? My intros did a lot more work, do they not? Well, you've only had what two hundred episodes to practice, <laughs> so so you don't want to you want to you want to ease into it, mate. But. Another two hundred, I'll be just hitting my stride. We should. Uh, <laughs> it's more than that, though. It's it's not like four hundred or five hundred episodes. It's something some stupid large. I knew it was a high number, and I reached and like I randomly got <laughs> like two hundred. But I knew it was a lot. Shoot scores. At least, least two hundred. Well, the more episodes <laughs> we've done, the more right I should be, and frankly, the more disappointed I should be in myself for not getting it right. Um, let's 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 quickly leave that behind. Edit that out later, uh, mate. I cannot start this podcast well so normally I would ask you what straw man was mm-hmm. this time this time I want to ask you what straw man premium is because I understand that since we spoke last this thing's kind of come to life yeah so well look it's kind of the next stage of the journey we wanted to sort of form a, an inner circle of our our best and brightest contributors and Former, former genuine investment club. And so it's, yeah, we, we launched it. Uh, so today's Thursday, we're pre-recording it. We only yeah. launched it a little while ago and mate, we're almost halfway through capacity. So wow, who knows, by the time it goes to air, we, we could I'll well be, be filled, but, but I'm really psyched about it. Yeah, so we've got some some really smart cookies on there. Hopefully we can turn over a few rocks and find a good op- a few good opportunities. But yeah, that's, so Strawman Premium is Australia's premier online investment club. And uh, yeah. yeah, if we've got any space less, left, come check out the website. How, how should they find Strawman Premium? Is it just strawman.com or is there just a... Just go to strawman.com. Yeah, you can, you, we also, you can also create a free account, check it out, and uh, yeah, hopefully you'll, you'll come join us on that inner circle. There you go. Andrew is the founder, managing director, chief cook and bottle washer at Strawman, and a lovely bloke. As you know by now, if you've been listening here for this long enough, if anyone deserves success, it's Andrew. So go and check out strawman.com. Um, I, I should just keep out your former boss and my current boss, Bruce Happy. I should also mention the Motley Fool does investment advice. And uh, if you're going to also join Strawman, do me a favour just so I can keep my job and keep the, the podcast going. Join the Motley <laughs> Fool as well. Uh, as much yeah, as I love giving you a sure. free plug, mate, I, uh, well, I say free plug, you're doing this for free. So uh, it's, a, it's a quid pro quo, but um, I, I, I probably should at least, um, at least put the flag out for the Motley Fool from time to time so join Strawman at strawman.com and then come across to fool.com.au and uh, join us as well because you know more the merrier I, I, you oh, know I, I would reckon stuff. what do you reckon there's 70-80% overlap between our membership bases do you reckon I reckon it's pretty high. If, yeah. if there's people out there that like to manage their own money, they're, they're going to come across one of us. So I think, and the yeah, two very, really cool very best in investment options in Australia. If you're looking for investment ideas or advice, I don't think you can go past strawman.com or fool.com.au. We, we yeah, might so. be a bit biased, but I think it's fair to say. I'm not, no, I, I think Strawman's great. This it's is a shameless. Great. We're all happy. This is, this is really shameless at this point, can I just Let's say. move on. All right, so <laughs> mate, I, well, the problem is I, so I said move on. And we're all happy and, you know, laughing, having a good time. And then I'm about to mention the absolute, oh, I'm going to keep it in Fiji, mess uh, mm. that we have in, uh, well, <laughs> the uh, capital, no, I was going to say capital city of Australia, the premier city, the, the largest city in Australia, that is Sydney. That is, since we spoke last, officially, Let's another four it, weeks with a lockdown. Well, you can say that, except that it, right now I'd almost rather be in any other city, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> You're stuck in your true. house. I can't get into the city. Um, Fair point. It, maybe it was the best city. Maybe it'll again be the best city, but right now it's lockdown central. And mate, so let's not let's not um, obsess over what's relevant for us. We're talking to a, a national and an international audience. We regularly mm-hmm. have listeners from around the world as well as around the country. But what happens to Sydney happens to the rest of Australia almost by definition. A, because mm-hmm. those numbers get national. B, because there are flow-on effects. 
we talk about it every week, mate. And I kind of, I, I want to. I'm kind of sick of talking about it. On the other hand, it is the dominant economic and business story, and we kind of can't do, we can't give you know full um full value to it to a business and finance investing podcast without at least referencing it. The new news this week: lockdown. Okay, let's get that over and done with. We're locked down for another four weeks in Sydney. Inflation, three point eight percent, more than double the rate of wage growth. So. For those who want to do those maths, if inflation is greater than wages, that means living standards are falling. We are getting less for our money than we were in the past. The CBA is tipping 300,000 jobs to be lost over this downturn period and a negative quarter of GDP growth. One more of those and we're back in the R word recession. Makes me uh, scared to even mention the word because I don't want to tempt any fates. Not that the fates care enough about me to cause a recession as a result, but... Mate, I think I, I think I might have even said last week, but I love doing media normally because I get to say how well things are going. The last week has just been really, really disappointing. I did a I did a mm. motley full video uh, for our members, uh, US members actually yesterday, and uh, Margie, who I was speaking with, she said, "Oh, it breaks my heart a little bit to see you so despondent." I said, "Well, I'm not despondent, but it's kind of there's no good news. I can't I can't spin this one. This is just kind of ordinary news across the board." Um, I guess you know without asking you the same question I ask you every week, but Given the new news, are there any companies, industries, investment ideas you're avoiding? Are there any that are looking attractive? Do you, you know, we don't we don't invest for the short term. Neither you nor I do that. But sometimes you get a sense that, you know, either the market is missing either an opportunity or a risk that somehow shares are too cheap or too expensive as a result. That some industries become more or less attractive. How how are you processing the last week's worth of news? Oh, mate, it's all, we always lead in with such a big question. So, yeah. uh, a lot, lot that's, why, that's also why I ask you first, because you answer them, <laughs> take your good bits, and I repeat them. I seem really smart. Oh, where do you, where do you start? That's so, it. well, well that's, first, that's been such firstly, a big week. yeah, yeah, right. So, firstly, with like New South Wales, Sydney in particular, it's something like on its own, just as the city itself is something like what 20% of the national uh, income. I thought um, that's it's much higher, I think. I actually saw something in the 30s, the number I saw yesterday. I thought 30 might have been all of New South Wales, but oh, yeah, maybe, either, yeah, maybe, maybe. Either way, it's yeah. a very, very big chunk. And yeah. and the thing is, you know, although we've been in lockdown for, what is it, five weeks or so now, yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing's Ready getting worse. I mean, today we've just had numbers that we're like, I have to say, yeah. we've sort of even getting used to high numbers. They were really shocking today. Yeah. And the number of young people in ICU, it's just like, wow, this thing, I think, I think we were all pretty complacent to it at first. Yeah. A bit battle heart weary, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and that's then, right. And then, um, yeah, so... so and yet, and yet, on top of all of that, and you mentioned sort of some poor economic news, mm. the share market's at record highs. It's never ever been higher. In fact, add, add <laughs> yeah. dividends in, and it's well beyond its record. I was, was going to, I was going to mention that actually. That was my next question. But yeah, that, and that's that's why I'm kind of trying to work out the difference between the look, the economy and GDP never actually march in lockstep. So that's the first thing we need to remember. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I don't blame people saying what the heck is going on when the market's up and the economy's in the toilet who's who's getting it wrong or what am i missing yeah yeah well i don't know i've i've i actually gave up long ago trying to sort of uh <laughs> peer inside the head yep. of the you know Good the choice. quote unquote the Good market choice. it's just such a it's such a nebulous thing it's, yep. it's hard yep. to know and, and yep. to your earlier point like you know what am i doing what opportunities yep. there yep. i think it to me it circles back to something that is it's one of these things that you just always do and so yeah, right. you know whenever you whenever you buy something now no matter what it is there's a there's a dark uncertain future you you, mm-hmm. you know that you know that there's always going to be some negatives that come you just don't know when like recessions yeah. you know like 
uh, one one off cyclical kind of factors. So so when they come along, yeah, it sucks. It's not as if these share prices mm. remain mm. immune and these companies are untouched. But but <laughs> they, at the same time, they're the ones that I think I've at least got conviction to to sit through. And if I've got a bit of extra cash, actually buy more because it was always part of the investment plan. It's like yeah, I'm I'm not buying this thinking that the the future is mm. is mm. you know absolutely rosy. But it's a kind of business that will withstand that. And I still think in five, ten years' time, it'll be a much bigger business. It just, it, it sounds really simple and it kind of is. The hard part is actually sitting through it because you kind of say <laughs> yeah, that to right. yourself and then over the next three months, you watch your portfolio yeah. evaporate. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't so matter. It, oh, it really starts to matter at some point, right? It, and that's the hard part. It's just, yeah. it's just remaining, yeah. it's keeping your eye on the price here, which is, yeah. okay, yeah, but have, have, has what I bought actually fundamentally changed? And, mm. and, is what's That's happening on the point. market yeah. a true reflection? Yeah. It's really, it's a really hard thing to do. But yeah. I've, I've, I'm old enough and long enough in the tooth to know <laughs> that that you we always look forward at these things as risks, and we always yeah. look in hindsight at these things as opportunities. <laughs> yeah. And right. so I try to I try to That's flip right. that around right. as best as best yes. I can, and not yes. not play any yes. sector, but just always play play the game of high quality, long term potential. Mm-hmm. It just it just it solves a lot of problems. Yeah, I, I like reflecting back on the on the I, I meant. I'm so old. I, every time I go to say back on the COVID recession, my head immediately, my mind immediately goes to GFC. I was about to say again, go back to the mm. GFC. Going back to the COVID recession, uh, I was early. I bought Webjet shares at, at way too high a price, right in February. Um, and so you know, I had I made that mistake, but also I kept buying through March, April, May, and June. And overall, the Webjet thing was obviously a mistake, but I'm much better off for having kept buying regardless. Yeah. Are there companies, industries that get interesting to you right now? Do you actively go and try and find? those that are overcorrected by company or by industry or by price like you know there's two schools of thought one is look I can't wait to buy CSL and Woolies when they're on special mm. the problem is that when Woolies falls 20% their overall market's probably down 50 and it's almost mm. the last stock you want to buy right because if you're looking for absolute bargains you want the ones that have fallen furthest in theory then again if you want to call your portfolio you're better buying Woolies at a discount of 20% than buying it at full price how do you mm. think about where you go shopping um, if and when the market does take a tumble I'll give you. I'll extend um, and and torture the the shopping analogy. Imagine, <laughs> um, imagine if I'd won like a you know hundred dollars all you can buy is a shopping spree bonanza. You know and they open the doors and you've got five minutes to rush in and pull stuff off the shelf and run to the cash gate and it's all you get. You get you get whatever thousand dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I like if it. I if I was to do that, I that would that I would answer your question in one way. And yeah. it, it does seem that if you ran into the into the shop, you would see, oh wow, wow, airlines have really taken a knock, or tourism stocks, or retail stocks, and this is where the opportunity. Oh, this is the thing I'm going to buy. <laughs> but I guess I approach it more as someone who's already thought before I've even headed down to the shop. I've already thought about what I want and what, mm. and I've got a. I think I've got a pretty clear idea of what's good value. Okay. And so it's more about just going to the things that I know I already want and seeing if that really makes sense. Because I've already done the work, I, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Whereas when I'm making, when I'm trying to react in the moment to yeah, the current okay. situation, I just find it's, it's not that it's something that you couldn't do or, or shouldn't do. And if, if you've got the time, I'm sure there's a lot of investors out there that find a lot of rich, rich pickings. But for mm-hmm. me personally, I'm just, I, I don't have the, I'm busy enough with the way that I sort of do things. And that's more <laughs> about just, you yeah. know, yeah. you spend you spend a lot of time reading about stocks and nothing's really <laughs> happening with their share price. There's no real news about yeah, it. But when it yeah. does happen, I'm, I'm reacting in context. I'm, I'm not, I'm, it's not reflexive. It's more, it's more uh, targeted, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't so know. It's, it's having I, having I, I a babble. plan and get, kind of putting the plan you already have into action rather than trying to formulate the plan on the run. 
Yeah, I mean, I've definitely got I've definitely got this wish list of companies, and I'll mm. look at all of them when when yeah. markets yeah. move around, and then and sort of make a decision there. But I, I won't yeah. I won't take my focus off. I've been doing this for a while, so I've mm. I've already know a lot of companies that I'm just not interested in, even if they, even if they drop fifty yeah. percent, even though there's probably potential to money to be made in that situation. I just prefer not to go with you know I've I've got the luxury of choice, so why why bother with those kinds of companies? Um, so even when even when they do offer opportunity, I'm just I'm just happy to stick to my knitting. If that makes sense, I was, was going to make the same point. Yeah. yeah, there's a sense that the, the the type of investor you are probably and and want to be determines what you should do at different points. Mm. Um, if you're a if you're an investor who likes to try and I won't say trade but take some short term positions or short term positions, you might want to play kind of counter cyclically, right? You want to buy the gold miners when gold's cheap, or uh, you want to buy car. It was about car sales a minute. You want to buy car companies when new car sales are through the floor and, and the share price sucks, and you want to kind of ride the wave. That's a very different thing to what you and I do, which is largely, hopefully, holding for very long periods of time, letting compounding do its own thing over multiple years, maybe for multiple cycles, where you really start to put those things into into some sort of um, perspective. So I, I guess I'm just saying, you know, there's nothing wrong or right necessarily with how anyone wants to invest, although there's some people who do it terribly and people who do it very well. Um, but but making sure you stick to your knitting. Is, it was the way I was going to answer the question. So I'm glad you come. And know, and know what you're knitting is in the first place, right? Like, yeah, are you, right. is it a is it a sweater or is it a beanie? You know, have, have, have at least that. <laughs> oh, goal we're in torturing mind. some metaphors, man. We are torturing sure are. <laughs> until they scream right now. Okay, so let me let me let me go. I can't. I was can't think of a good uh, knitting analogy. Unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not that au fait with knitting, mate. You'll be surprised to know. So I can't quite keep torturing it that far. I, I'm going to just put you on the spot. What is your knitting? If you if you're someone saying you know what what is it how I how do you invest what do you look for you're saying to people look don't do anything differently because you kind of expected this would happen I'm going to just keep doing what I do what is mm. it that you do as an investor how do you describe your own knitting well it's interesting I think it's I think it's something that's evolved over time I, I'm a pretty mm. different investor now than I was five years ago and you know I, I could be a different investor again in five years time but where I've found the best success has has been mm. trying to focus. I like companies that are a bit under the radar, um, okay. so maybe a bit smaller. But at the same time, it always makes it sound risky. I, I really want to emphasize mm. at the same mm. time, their businesses, I feel, have pretty strong balance sheets, mm. have mm. proven product and services. They may not always be profitable, but at mm. least they've got something and the sales growth is really strong and, okay. you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, it, but I guess it's, it's sort of looking for long, long-term compounding machines. And they're pretty rare. Like there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of noise around, you know, these sort of, things that you know companies have strong moats and yada 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 and mm-hmm. it's all true but i think you know genuinely companies that really fit those fit the bill really well are pretty rare mm-hmm. so i'm i spend a lot of time trying to sort of find them and then work out a price i think is 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 sort of fair and then i try to just buy it and then sit on it for mm-hmm. hopefully 5 10 20 years i mean the the best returns i've made have been from doing nothing and more often than not mm-hmm. when i've had a really great investment the worst thing I've done is just get in the way and sell some of it on the way up, thinking I'm I'm doing something clever. But but it's but it's really trying. I'm not trying to sort of snag twenty <laughs> yeah, percent yeah, or thirty yeah. percent here or you know. I, I'm really just trying to get on board for a long term partnership, like a marriage, mm-hmm. you know. And it sounds corny and it sounds old fashioned, and I know it's not for everyone. But for me, I've just think. The great thing about investing is is that you sort of you buy a bit of a company and then mm. someone else does all the work. You've got a CEO. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and, to be honest, I, I feel as I, like I just I, I spend my time finding those, <laughs> finding that, and then just like get up, get the hell out of the way, and yeah, I'll ride the totally. ups and downs. And I, but it just it works out so well because it's a very it's something that you don't get much instant mm-hmm. gratification in, mm-hmm. which is why I think it's it's yeah, on it's one hand it resonates a lot as a straight. You hear a lot yeah. of great investors talk about it, but few people do it because yeah. 
there's no easy win and there's or if you do it's very rare and it's just through luck anyway it's a mm. it's a slow mm. grind but but the results really pop out over, uh, after a while yeah what, what's what's, think, what's your knitting no i was, was gonna say that so you talk about change and you talk about sort of um uh, some of that gratification before i do the knitting thing i i'm not a dividend investor necessarily but is there anything better than when cash just arrives in your in your bank account for doing brilliant. literally nothing right like i love getting brilliant. i love getting paid for working I yeah. love even more getting paid for not work. Like I just, yeah. I showed my wife the, the the dividends we received. It was uh, from ETF a couple of Fridays ago. I'm like, look at that! It's like, oh, that's not bad, is it? Like, I know. Yeah. Literally, they sent me money for it. Now I had to give up some money. I gave up some future consumption. And there's all that you know. Investing is not free. You have to not spend it and save it and all that sort of stuff. And there are sacrifices you make. But when the money just literally drops in, it's like, oh my goodness, that's am- and it, is it amazing because it's brand new or surprising? No, of course not. I've been doing this for more years than I choose to count. But it's just a really, really cool. Um, it, my needing, well, my needing, I, go on. I, I'm just going to say one, th- one thing on that that one mm. I've noticed over time is that you you sometimes the compounding power really jumps out. So when you first maybe buy $1,000 worth of shares and you get a few dividend checks, and that's nice, yeah. but you know, yeah, yeah. you're hardly going to go out and buy a Porsche with, with what your <laughs> dividend check is. But when you add to it over time, it really yeah. does get to it. Like money make, it's, here's, you know, Captain Obvious here, but money really does make money. And when yeah, you've had is. those yeah, situations, right. yep. Yep. so if I, really like for five, 10 years uh, yep. and longer, it's like, holy Yes, that's that's mm-hmm. a lot of cash that comes yeah. in. So yeah, I know that feeling, and it's a great feeling. Yeah, it is. It is, and it's so. Yeah, that, I just want to I just want to reflect on that. Man, I wrote an article yesterday. I'm just trying to find it, so if I can find it. But uh, I I wrote about the false dichotomy. You and I talked about this a lot, and part of our conversation was what inspired me to write about it yesterday. Was that idea of value versus growth, right? And I think you and I both think that's a stupid argument and yeah. not very useful, um, if only because it's undefinable anyway. Mm-hmm. There are very few value investors who don't want their assets to grow. Very few growth investors who say there is no price too high for this asset. Yeah. So by definition, they might be at different ends of a spectrum, but it's the same bloody spectrum. It's not, they're, not, you they're, know, jo- they're joined at the things. hip, as uh, Charlie Munger said, right? Exactly, exactly. So I think you know, if, I, if I think about how this plays out, I think it's a very fair... Um, it's a very fair... I understand why people do it. I understand why they feel they gravitate to one or the other. I started, as you said... The reason I mention this is because I started as a value investor. I've, I've said before I had 60 ratios on and Microsoft Excel 95 or whatever it was back then. Um, mm-hmm. Typed all in manually because you couldn't get annual reports online. All that kind of good stuff. Um, it, it you know I, it, it kind of makes some sense. Um, equally, growth makes sense, right? Who doesn't want to buy the next Amazon at three dollars and see it go to three thousand? Of course you do, right? If that's a growth, yeah. stock, well, hey, sign mm-hmm. me up. Yeah. I've so firstly, the, the economy is silly. Secondly. I kind of describe myself as a quality investor, which is another label which isn't super useful, but it's really to, to kind of underline the point that I, I used the example when I wrote about it. I own both Amazon shares and Solpats shares, Washington H. Sol Pattinson. There aren't two more, many more different companies. If you try to have yeah, you know, two companies right, up ends of something, right. and, and I was trying to think, okay, why do I own both of them? And it's not because, um, you know, I think they're both the same in any way, shape or form, but because I think they're both quality businesses. Mm. And... If you can own, but Warren Buffett talks about you know time being the friend of the of the the quality business. What does he call it? I just can't remember the exact quote now. Friend of the um, quality business and the enemy of the poor, I think. Of the mediocre, right? Exactly. So yeah, to me, to me, that's the thing, right? It's like you know whether you're trying to get ultra growth or whether you're trying to 
find some great managers. You just want to let them compound mm. away. And by the way, Sol Pat's got 15 years worth of market-beating returns despite being one of the most boring-sounding businesses in the, in the country. And so, Cracking track you know, record for Sol right. Pat's, yeah. And so what is it? It's, it's quality. Now, there are people who... I don't know how many people in, in Australia have both Amazon and Sol Pat's in their portfolio. I would imagine not many. I think it's a... Mm. We could probably fit a, maybe a couple of phone boxes, it's a, maybe it's not one. a small one. overlap on the Venn diagram. You would think so, say. right? And so yeah. that to me, but that was the point, was I'm looking for quality where I can find it. And on the basis that... We kind of talked about this at the beginning. The longer I hold them, the better I expect to go. Yeah. And that's kind of the point, right? You want a business that you think is going to be able to continue to improve over the long term. So, A, you never have to sell. B, you don't have to worry about cycles and, you know, uh, changes in management and that kind of stuff. You're just buying great businesses and holding them for as long as it makes sense to do so, which is hopefully forever. So, mm-hmm. again, I, I'm reluctant to use another word as a label, you know, what's quality, what's not quality, value growth, all that kind of stuff. And yes, some people even buy crappy businesses and make money because they buy them super cheap and sell them a slightly less cheaply. Um, but for me, quality is the, is the answer. I'm looking for quality businesses I can feel good about that, back to your point about, you know, letting the CEO do his thing or her thing, great. Mm. You know, mm. a Robert Milner at, at Sol Pats, Jeff Bezos is now the executive chairman, not the CEO anymore of Amazon. But man, if those guys are, if those guys are minding the shop, I'm not like, you know, <laughs> good. That's two less things I have to worry about. And I think that for me is, you know, I'm not trying about it with the share price going from 13, 13 cents to 14 and a half cents or whether the business is, you know, mildly underperforming or greatly underperforming. It's like, I'm just going to let them do their thing. They're good people with good businesses, with great cultures. I'm just going to let them go. I think, I think that's the greatest advantage of that approach because there, there could be someone else equally out there. And again, as we say, each to their own, but let's say there's someone else out there who, who day trades and, and gets a 5% extra annual return to oh, you. Oh, well, that's yeah. a better return. And over time, that's going to compound to a, to a much more significant return. Yeah. But yeah. as one thing I always think that people overlook is if that is the approach you're going to take, and this is why it doesn't resonate for me, although, I, again, I acknowledge that for some, some people, mm. they, they far prefer it, mm. is that it's so much work. You know, it's like what, <laughs> right. you're like talking about getting the dividend check before. Yes, There's something yes, that rocks yes. up in the mail while you're, you know, yeah. twiddling your thumbs or, or knitting a pair <laughs> of, right. you know, socks or yep. something yep. is far better than the one where you're stuck in front of four screens reading uh-huh. every company for C announcement and you know it's just oh gosh it's it's a hard grind there's something to be said for 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 profit per hour input or something like that needs to be a a a metric that's introduced not only that mate we're just just we're not going to do day trading too much but if you're day trading for a quid you got to pay your hourly wage plus you got to try and make some money right so if if you do five percent better day trading than i do working it depends on what salary i'm on or what salary you're foregoing but i'll tell you what that five percent better be on a large amount of capital because five percent of a million dollars is only 50 grand a year i say only Mm. If if you're earning nothing day trading, and you beat me by fifty by fifty grand a year, if mm. I can get a salary higher than that, then dude, I'm still you know after yep. after expenses if you like. It's like it's like looking at the property yield, not taking out the cost of upkeeping the upkeeping the house, right? Like you don't yep. you don't get to just say look at my gross return. You got to say well actually here's the net return after everything I've put in. Well, it's not it's not just the hours spent too; it's the quality of those hours. So that that's mm-hmm. profession day trading is yeah, a profession that can be true. very. So if you don't like to sleep oh, and yeah, you like right. to you know feel too sick to feel eat, like and, the cat. Yeah. and then yeah. all of a sudden feel as though you're the greatest person alive, and then go back into another <laughs> slump, and then feel like fantastic. You know, that that you got to yep. you got to weigh that up too. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's move on. I, that was, I just want to kind of un- unpack that because I think that's useful. When we think about we talk a lot about hey, don't worry about the the short term, and I think that's right and we are right to say so but um our listeners may well have thought okay then what so we've just done that a little bit i mentioned car sales before mate um this is a heck of a time to be either well selling cars at all new car sales volumes through the roof new mm. used car sales prices through the roof we should see some rich car dealers right now right if you're selling new cars you're selling a lot of them if you're selling used cars you're selling them for a fortune 
Um, this feels to me a little bit like a transitory dislocation. I got to say, it's not very often you have both high used car used car prices, I should say, and high new car sales. Normally, if people are issuing the new cars, because I'm not sure, well, you pay a bit more for the used ones. When everyone's rushing out to buy a new car, you'd expect that used car sales prices fall because all the demands on new rather than used. Both happening at the same time is kind of nice, but I feel like someone's going to lose from here. See, it's another example of one of those things that it's hard to draw a line between what's right. happening in the world and what's happening in the market. So exactly. if you look at AP Eagers, which is yep. the biggest uh, dealership group, yes. uh, you know, it's. It, I mean, again, you'd think, oh, wow, you know, uh, up to a third of, of the economy is in lo- in lockdown. I'm sure a lot of people are. It's, right. it's the classic textbook example of a discretionary per- uh, purchase. Yep. Yep. Like yep. In, every, in every course that's ever been taught on the subject, <laughs> like a car is given as a, as a highly discretionary purchase that yep. you can put off if times get a little bit scary and times yep. get a bit uncertain and yet and yet so yeah I, I i won't i won't try and explain it someone smarter than me will give it a crack i'm sure but it, but it's just a good it's a good lesson that you can oh, sorry well i mean I, I, you you wouldn't if i told you one fact you'd never guess the other right that fact right is, exactly is, is, yeah. is i guess what i'm saying yep you're right yeah yeah it's um it, it, I, so I don't know i'm still I assuming know insights i'm still assuming it's a timing thing uh so you mentioned to me before you started recording used car price up 30 percent. i think you said was that was that roughly right uh, you read the figures out, didn't you? No, you read the figures out. That was all good. Uh, maybe oh. I read them back to you. Uh, in any case, um, and new car sales <laughs> are up so strongly. Funny. In fact, AP share price, by the way, has doubled in 12 yeah, months as go. new car there sales continue to grow. Mm. Um, it's a, it, this is just a really weird economy right now. I, I'm glad I'm not an economist, right? Like It's easy to be an investor when you just go, you know what, I'm going to buy quality when I find it. I'll hold it for the long term. Who cares what happens? Well, who cares? I mean, of course, we care about people who are you know, impacted by recessions and other things. But from an investing perspective, mm. I just don't, don't have to try and untie that knot. And if it's too hard, I'm simply going to walk away. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a view on AP Eagers or Eagers Automotive, as it's called these days. Um, I don't need to have a view on it. I'm glad they're doing well. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's, a weird, it's a weird world when used car prices are up, as I said, because in theory, demand is higher, which is fine. Mm. Normally, though, when used car prices get high enough, people would go to new cars and then used car prices should fall and vice versa. I'm. Can I can I just quickly jump straight to our next topic, mate? Because I, I would, if you can't if you can't explain car prices to me, at least explain the the iron ore price, will you? the The iron ore price of two hundred and fifteen, two hundred sixteen dollars a ton right now. Rio BHP Fortescue cost them fifteen, sixteen, eighteen dollars a ton to get out of the ground. They are selling this stuff for ninety percent gross margins, mm. and every single economic textbook we've ever read, mate, says that's not possible. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be the case that mm. high prices, high margins attract more uh, more competition and produces more volume and that pushes prices down, a bit like our, our car example. And again, this one, just like new car sales, I've been on, frankly, I had someone, someone who didn't like my Facebook posts, it turns out, messaged me, had a go at me for saying something on Facebook, which I'm, I'm okay with, and then said, <laughs> and by the way, I don't know how you've been wrong on iron ore for this long. And I kind of felt a bit aggrieved by that, but I also don't blame him for having that view because I've been saying for six, seven, eight months that the iron ore price just, just like purely a law of supply demand was it was just unsustainably high. Now I didn't make a forecast of when it would fall. I never do that. I've been around long enough to know that's just dumb. But still, this guy's like, dude, you've been saying the iron ore price is too high for how long? And and BHP and Rio have done spectacularly well. Rio Tinto reported earnings on Wednesday night this week. Uh, their profit was up 271%. Mm. Their dividend for the half year, $7.50 a share. 
That's something like a 5% yield on the half-year dividend. <laughs> Double that, good. that's a 10% yield. Yeah. Um, it, it is... It, it, <laughs> it's, you know, COVID's bad enough. It's just tempting to kind of go... I don't know what's going on anymore. Like the, the old the old rules don't apply, and I don't know what the new rules are. But I, I mean, am I am I missing something, mate? Should I be just throwing the towel and iron all? Like, how do you look at that and go? Oh, how, do you, how do you explain? Yeah, it's, that I, hear, that I hear what you're, you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a big difference. Just on your earlier point, there's a big difference between if something in ha- will happen and when something will happen. So I don't think you're wrong on the fact that something is likely to happen, um, mm. and you never said when when it would happen. So I just, it's worth teasing those two things apart. Let's mm. let's look in the last mining boom. You know, it's from 2004 to 2008, Rio went from oh geez, what 25 bucks a share to over 100 bucks a share. Mm. Um, it was it was a great time right. to be a miner, right? <laughs> exactly. He, 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 and and then and then demand fell away, and we had all those mm, you know mm. problems. And then and then it was, you know in 2016 it was back to forty dollars a share, mm, and then mm. we've had a pretty good sort of run since then. So it's it's sort of you know the, the normalizing factor comes in because there is always iron. I think is the third or fourth most abundant metal in the Earth's crust. So it's actually yeah. you know it's hard to get to, and there's not yeah. just it's not just lying around. But if we need it, and there's well, enough kind of an economic of WA. <laughs> yeah, well, you just scrape it off the ground in, in, in the Pilbara. Yeah. So when 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 mar- when margins are really low, there's just no one's going to yeah. bother, right? Dig- yeah. Why would you bother digging a hole when margins are, are like this? <laughs> I'll dig a hole. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to check the backyard on the way on the way out when I finish this, mate. Just dig a bit of a hole, see what I can find, because it might be you worth know. it. So that's that's why that's why these these companies are, are particularly hard. So I think you're right. I think I think I would bet my a great deal of money that at some stage we'll, we will see prices uh, or margins, I should say, come down. Um, uh, yeah, when it's going to turn, I've got I've got no idea. Um, uh, great, geez, that's an incredible dividend though that you, that you said I, that. Yeah, you don't see that for the half year very often. That is remarkable. Enjoy hey, it. Enjoy here's, it. Here's the other thing. So I mean, I, while I'm while I'm here, while we're talking about iron ore, we don't very often, so I might as well stay here for a second. Can I? I, I still marvel. Can, can you imagine what a ton of iron ore looks like, or how you would get to a ton of iron ore? Right. So a ton, right? A ton, thousand kilograms, a ton of something. Mm-hmm. They mine it and put it on a ship for fifteen dollars. Like yeah, think it's about yeah. think about the scale of an operation. And Matt, that's yeah. part of the story, frankly, why the margins are so high is because they can push costs down so far. Pre mm. kind of the big guys getting bigger. I re- I want to say the cost of iron ore was something like thirty or forty dollars a ton, I think. Kind of the average cost for most of those kind of mid tier miners was about thirty or forty bucks a ton, which even then is still stupidly cheap. But if you think you can dig a hole Find enough iron ore, get rid of the what are they called? Over over something? Come on, the call now. I don't follow it closely enough. Overburden. You get rid of all the, the overburden, the stuff you don't want. You just get the iron ore out of it. You refine it. You, you do whatever you need to do to put it on a ship, and it still only costs you fifteen dollars for a ton, for a thousand kilos of the stuff. It's so we just often talk. Remarkable. We often talk about commodity producers, and one of the unappealing things about them is they they don't tend to have any of these competitive advantages. Yeah, you know, you've got no pricing power, but. It yep. is also fair to say that there are scale advantages. And so yeah. if you were someone who was going to get into mining, and it, look, as I said before, it's not my bag, but if, if you were, when you've got someone who's got such scale that they can they can put that on a ship mm, for $15, mm, it means that when the price does come back down to more, <laughs> more typical historical levels, yeah. they're still profitable, where yeah. a lot of the high-cost producers sort of won't be. So yeah. they, they are definitely the ones that you should focus on, and that is a, that is a huge advantage to them. So that's why it's always worth looking at the, the, the mine life, the, the amount of uh, capacity and reserve, 
mm-hmm. access to ports. So people who get into the mining companies really can make a bit of a, a science at it. But that's what you have to look at. You don't. You've got to go beyond that first level thinking of <laughs> oh, iron ore is going high, so I'm going to buy Rio. That's that's a rookie error. If you if you know the kind of companies that are best placed to benefit from that mm-hmm. and can mm-hmm. can sort of stay afloat and still deliver shareholder value when when the tide does inevitably turn, that's that's where you want to you know focus your gaze. I think it's a really good point. I've also heard mining described as a supply chain with a mine at the end. Yeah. Um, where, you know, where, think about, you know, not only do you have to get it up, you've got to get it to the port on a ship, including that 15 or 18 bucks. It's, it's just phenomenal. Let yeah. me ask then, mate, are we too quick to reject miners on some sort of old school? You know, we, what's changed? You know, and, and there's mm. plenty of stuff that's changed over our lives and, and, and certainly over our investing lives, things that we wouldn't have touched that are now worth touching, things we would have touched that are now no longer attractive enough because circumstances change. What would have to change if, if I was to say to you, you know, at, at gunpoint or close enough to it, mate? I need you to, I need you to you know, rethink your investing approach. It, when does mining change sufficiently that we kind of go, okay? Well, I didn't like mining for reasons that were true at the time, but you know, the old when circumstances change, I changed my mind. What do you do, sir? Quote. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess I'm left asking myself, and it's not, not. I mean, it's partly rhetorical, but and I'm partly asking it for the sake of asking it. But this part of me is thinking, well, actually, you know. At some point, I've got to start looking at myself and say, hey, dude, either you're wrong or things have changed or just ask the question of how much am I leaving on the table if I assume the old rules still apply? Yeah, uh, well, it depends. It depends on how you're going with what you're doing. If, if something you're doing is not working, then you might you might want to <laughs> change your approach. So that, that's the first thing. The, the other thing, it comes back to what we were talking about at the start. It's just knowing thyself, right? So it's... Yeah. It's. I really don't have any ideological, philosophical objection to, to people who want to invest in mining. I just know myself well enough to know that my circle of competence lies elsewhere. I don't provide. I don't have any great edge or insight into mm-hmm. the industry that's going to help me compete against a lot of people that do. So it's. So could things change? Well, I. I you know, maybe if everything gets completely bombed out and something's <laughs> trading at close to book value, and you feel mm-hmm. as you know, they would. I would never say never, but it's. It's. There's enough things I do that know that are generally true about these kinds of companies mm. that I feel as though there's, there still remains better opportunities elsewhere. But that's that, that's just me. But yeah, if things got super bombed out, I, I and, and I know there's a lot of good friends I have that that love these kinds of things and make really mm. articulate, mm. sensible cases. And if I was going to back back that as an idea in the space, I, I definitely would. But as I say, it's just it's not it's just not for me. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. I um I. Yeah, that's a, I, I'm tempted to agree that that's my default position is exactly that. But I also wonder, you know, people ask Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger all the time, if you could develop something, develop a circle of competence, where would you develop it? And I, I do wonder whether, given the prominence of miners, I, I wonder how much I may be missing out on just a rhetorical thought uh, by mm. not going down that path and sort of saying, no, it's too hard, I can't do it, not, not worth doing. I think, man, if that was the case for something that was actually, you know, imagine doing it for the tech over the last 20 years and kind of going, mm. I could learn about it, but no, I'm not going to. Yeah, you know, if you miss the Amazons, the Facebooks, the Netflixes, the Googles, the whatevers, and I own a couple of those, um, you know, it would have been fine to say, well, it just wasn't so common. That's okay. On the other hand, it's not unreasonable to kind of go, well, would it have been worth maybe putting some effort into that one, Scott? Do you think I should? You should have done something about that. And I probably have to say, yeah, I should. And I, I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to hold myself accountable a little bit to not just going, no, no, I'm going to stick my, I'm going to justify my current, my current prejudice rather than genuinely ask myself if maybe something has changed. Maybe it's time to have another look. 
Well, came, came back to what I first said. If, if I, it so turns out that technology has been a very core focus of mine um, <laughs> for for a while. So it's so it's I'm not losing any sleep by going, oh, you know, geez, why did I why did I focus there when I could have been in mining because technology's <laughs> been fantastic. So uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not losing it. Right? Yeah, it may, it, it may well be. It may well be. Um, but you know. Is 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 uh, I also feel too. The longer you sort of stay in a sector, the better you get at it. So, That's true. That's um, true. yeah, yeah, it's a tough one, mate. I don't, I, as I say, I don't begrudge anyone who does it. I can think there's real value in doing mm-hmm. it. Um, it it does some of these some of these miners look as though they're enjoying times that are just fantastic. <laughs> you know, everything's sort of lined up at the right time, yeah. and that's brilliant. Yeah. But I, I would, I don't know enough. As I've just explained very clearly, I don't really know enough to give a super informed view on, on a Rio or a BHP. Mm. But I would say anyone who begins to, to look at it and do their due diligence, just factor in some of the considerations we've been seeing, because you know margins and prices won't always be this high, even though they could double from here and then stay high for for a year or two. At some point, there'll be a financial gravity that kicks in. Value stocks, markets, stock market, index, share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, let's move on a little bit. I, I, I want to I go straight to this one, but I'll, I'll, I'll come back to tech because we're going to kind of go via another company. We spoke last week. You were going to mention a company. I don't even know if we said what name we we're going to cover. We're going to cover E-Road. It was a company you wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I ran out of time entirely. <laughs> so it was my fault. And I did promise, I think I promised on the Sunday podcast, we'll be back on Friday or something. I can't remember what it was now. Uh, my mind's like a, a sieve, unfortunately, these days. I'm getting old. Um, in any case, you were going to mention E-Road to our listeners. That's an exciting new ASX business that is worth having a look at. I should say it was covered as our, one of our stock of the week picks uh, recently so if you have been listening yeah, to the, this mm. podcast series you will have you will have heard about that uh from i think ryan gave me the summary on that one um but you want to talk about e-road mate and i thought it was worth just giving you some time to to think about it because it's kind of it's it's relevant for a few reasons one is i think i assume you think it's a good business two mm. it's sort of business you actually cover and so to some degree this is a bit of a chance for people to get a sense of the sort of businesses you look for and what you look for in them mm. uh and see i said we would and so we should so okay. tell me about yeah. your thoughts about e-road mate well, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not here to give it a pitch and convince people one way or the other. The reason it came up for us originally is we were just we were talking about the podcast, what, what's in the news, and I just they, yeah. they just announced a big takeover. So I was kind of it was on my mind. But um, and the other thing to disclose is I do own shares, and it's it's very ranks very well on Strawman. So uh, bear all that in mind. But yeah, it yep. it, it, it was it, it's a business that what's attractive about it is they they sell basically. Um, I think very advanced navmans that help manage trucking <laughs> fleets. Is, is yeah. pro- in fact, th- th- now that I mentioned navman, the founder and CEO was was the guy who started navman, and obviously right, that's, right. Got, that's, that's gone the way of the dodo. Oh, after yeah, made it was very successful with that business, yeah. Yeah. by the way. Um, but yeah, now that's now become a feature of mobile phones. But in this area, there is a vi- one of the things I really love, Scott, is where there's there's new industries that are opening up that are global mm. and that are growing very fast. So they operate mm-hmm. in a, in an industry that didn't exist 10 years ago, Yeah, right. you know, but it's also one of those, it's like, it's like so many of these tech companies. It's also a company that you know, that in 10 to 12, uh, let me not say company, a sector that in mm-hmm. 10 to 20 years will be much, much, much bigger than it is today. Whether these guys are the yeah. winners or one of the, who knows, but yeah. At least when I look in my crystal ball, you kind of think, well, what in the modern day and the Internet of Things and all of that kind of stuff, what trucking fleet is not going to have these kinds of devices when they you know, genuinely deliver so much value and efficiency and right, uh, right. accountability and regulatory requirements and insurance benefits and blah, 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 a, a, a gazillion things. Um, and so that's nice, nice, nice total addressable market, big opportunity. But what's more than that 
And that's usually where a lot of specky small cap stocks start and end. Hey, we've got a huge total addressable market. But I think what's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do you know? That, and that's a million the, people in the world buy my shares. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. We're selling donuts, and if everyone buys one, we're, we're going to make <laughs> a squillion. Right. But what's interesting about these guys is they are one of the market leaders. Um, yeah. a, a Kiwi company that that basically dominates the market. Well, not ba- dominates the market there, mm-hmm. but has, has moved into the US before Australia, in fact, and is just mm-hmm. growing like the clap. Is this new acquisition is going to see them become? even more of a major player. They've got a good technology advantage. They're very sticky, these products. Another thing I like about this space. So like when you get a customer and they've got they've got the unit installed, well, they kind of stick with you year after year and just keep paying those subscription fees. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's got all, so a lot of traction, a lot of sticky, high customer retention, very strong balance sheet, very, very competent, proven um, management team and one with significant skin in the game, which is another mm-hmm. thing I like. So it's a lot of themes that just sort of line up with this one. So this is a good example of what we were talking about before. So it's kind of get, gotten up to around probably a, about fair value at this stage. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't call it a bargain. But, you know, back back when COVID hit last year, it was one of the stocks I was buying as much as I could of, frankly. <laughs> because as they say, it was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, is, is all of a sudden... The reason they went into the US, by the way, is a big, big regulatory requirements that are happening there. So there was this right. huge tailwind. Um, so th- this is not going away. It's only strengthening. And they definitely had trouble with new sales in that period. But guess what? All their existing customers continued to, to buy and use and expand their product set with them. And now that that's over, everyone's catching. Because it's, it's a structural industry-wide transition. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the same theme for Prometicus. That was the same theme for Nanasonics. It's the same mm-hmm. theme for Catapult, all writ large. And yeah, so... <laughs> That's the short answer, believe it or not. I could keep crapping on, but I, I, I like it. I think, it. I think it's a really cool business. Nice, nice. Mate, let me, let me ask you. I'm, I'm looking at this business and I get, the, I get what it does and I get why it does it and I get the size of the opportunity given the likely move toward safety, road usage, tolling, all that kind of stuff. And I've got two competing thoughts. The first is it reminds me of those, and I know it was a different type of device, I haven't caught a taxi for a very, very long time, mate, but it reminds me of those little devices that were kind of plugged into a taxi, had a little security seal thing over the front of it so the, the cabbie couldn't couldn't tamper with it that set the fare and the distance. And, and it was kind of one of those things where the company said, you got to have one of these devices in your taxi because we're going to control how much you charge and what you do. Are you talking about cab charge? No, you, oh, the, no, the little, you know, the, the meters, you know, the little, the taxi meters. Yeah, right. Got, okay, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. And yeah. had those little, they had those little wires on it with a little clamp on it. So you could, the taxi couldn't, taxi driver couldn't open it up and, and use it. Um, yeah. And so it changed the amount you were being charged. It was basically to make sure that, you, uh, you know, the distance was fair and the charge was applied appropriately. And, mm. and, you know, back in the day, you know, if you could tamper with that and charge people twice as much money because you, you tampered with the meter, um, then, you know, it, it was, it was obviously not okay. Then you have Uber that comes along and not only disrupts the entire taxi system, but the whole charging thing is done by GPS separately anyway. Mm. And I'm I, so I'm wondering how I get the size of the opportunity. Imagine you know, every truck, every car, or, or a vast bulk of them with an E-Road style taxi meter style device, just to again keep it simple for me because I'm a simple man. Mm. On the other hand, I see the Uber solution where it's like, well, hang on, wouldn't you just uh, either use get the car manufacturers to do it or use GPS or something else? It wouldn't require a third-party device or, you know, there's some other device that's capturing all the, the measurements done by somebody else. And and E-Road goes the way of the Navman, which is separate device that was once upon a time required as an additional piece that's mm. then kind of supplanted by a car feature question. or something else. 
So, so a couple of things. The first thing I'd say is actually when you reminded me of Cab Charge because how insanely great was that as a business yeah, um, exactly. for the longest time? Yeah, yeah. Because of all of those things, it had to be there. It was just, and they could charge <laughs> yeah, whatever right, they exactly. like. Yes, yes. And shareholders yeah. in Cab Charge is it still listed? I don't yeah. think it is anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe it is. anyway, I haven't. But it, it, it was it was insanely good. And then there there, there was uh, the structural change. The difference I uh-huh. would say is with E Trade is that they are at the front of the structural change. So it's not a device like a Navman where everything was on the device. It, it sort of it is that stuff that then gets sent yeah, back to yeah. the cloud, where someone in head office monitors the position of all the trucks, the temperature in the thing, how long the truck driver's been awake, how many breaks he's had. That's recorded all the vision from the dash cam and sent that back to a central server and had a yeah. process and compared this with that. So it's kind of like it, it's. I hear what you're saying, but if there is disruption in the space, this is where it's at, and these are the guys sort of at the forefront of it. So that might not be true in in ten years time or something. But the nice thing about it is, is that even though it's sort of like it's not pure so- software, it's a hardware software business. Yeah. The hardware is just the. It's not the hard part because it is, as you say, it's literally just a, a GPS and you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a Wi-Fi router, that, a three, a four G, five G router. Other than that, all of the smarts, all of the value of the company is actually in their software, in the cloud. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I, it's a good point that you make, and it's the kind of thing you need to think of. But it's not, it's not one that worries me too much. I like it, Matt. Um, let's let's kind of move from there then to tech, and I want to kind of finish with this. Um, I'm going to well, well, I won't finish with this. You, you you make me talk about something else at the end. But I'll, I'll I'll pretend I'm not going to talk about that yet. Um, Alan Kohler wrote a great piece in, I want to say, the New Daily today uh, on technology stocks. And he made a few different points. And the major point he was making is actually not the point that I'm going to go with. He talked about um, the big tech stocks being kind of privacy pirates. And that's arguably true, depending on your, your, your take on it. And you feel free to talk about that if you want to. But uh, what, I, what, I, what I far preferred, and something we've talked about before, uh, I don't know if we talked about it in the podcast, but he talked about basically you know, tech as a descriptor being... Well, I won't. I won't paraphrase him. I will. I will. T- I'll tell you what I took from it, so I don't. I don't put words in his mouth. But basically, being a useless terminology, he said. You know, Amazon yeah. is a retailer. Yeah, totally. Um, I agree. You know, for Afterpay is a financier, mm. and to some degree, once you get to call them tech, you can attach triple-digit PEs and you can pretend that these things are somehow magically different, better, unusual, whatever, and it buys you phenomenal cachet in the market. Mm. It, it, it mm. seems to, again, I won't say Alan Collins saying this specifically, feel free to read his article. Um, he, by the way, runs a, or is involved in a competing business to ours, but I don't really care about that. Um, he, you know, he, he kind of makes the point that, you know, it, what, what is tech? Um, I've written the other day, yeah, tech in the, tech in the 1900s was cars. In the 1950s, it was photocopiers. Um, mm. uh, you know, you kind of, you kind of think, well, you know, is Amazon really tech? I mean, sure, it uses technology, but then who doesn't use technology? I mean, if Amazon's tech, then Woolworths is tech. And, and of yeah. course, people then say, oh, don't be stupid. Of course, Woolies isn't tech, but of course, Amazon's tech. Like, well, tell me again. You know, j- just because their mm. shop front is the internet rather than a physical shop front, is that all that's required? In, in, I mean, in that case, call it an internet business, sure. Yeah. But is it really a tech business? And, I, and I'm, I'm torn, mate, because I think Kohler's right. I also think there are some benefits and advantages bought by being largely internet-based or technology-based that does make a difference. I mean, Amazon is different from Woolies in some really important ways. Mm. But does it deserve the same tech, in air quotes, multiple as Afterpay, as Facebook, as pick your, pick your company? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, well, I, I think that's true. 
Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I think that's true. I think it's what, true what you're saying, but it's true outside of tech as well. I mean, you could have yeah, right. two mining companies next <laughs> yes, to each other. Yes. You know, yeah. one's a pile of dirt with someone who's drilled a core sample, another one's a multi-billion dollar operation. So, you know, the, even within very well-established industries, you have chalk chalk and cheese. And I do hate these. I do hate a lot of these labels. Mm-hmm. I think just because you use technology doesn't make you a technology company. And I think that even if you want to call yourself a technology company or a retailer, whatever you want to call yourself, if you're a smart investor, you're, you're weighing up its value, not because it's got a handle on it that says technology, but because yeah. of its its economic capacity and what it's likely to do. Now, look, if yeah. if technology gives them a bit of an edge that others can't easily replicate, mm, then, mm, then, mm. then fantastic. And then some really nice features with that. Mm. But for me, you've always got to draw it down. You've got to draw it down to that that very rational, economic, hard-nosed perspective. Yeah. Um, and frankly, that's that is why, as much as I love tech and as much as my focus, there's a lot of there's a lot of so far at least that I've I've I look at a lot of these tech companies with regret because I didn't buy them because I was too fussy on price. <laughs> um, but but, but I think I, mean, I, I guess that's Cola's point, right? If, yeah, if they're still overvalued now. Mm. You weren't too fussy. The market is just too nuts, and we yeah. don't try and predict short term share. Yeah, you know, if your if your if your style was. I'm going to try and pick the companies that other people are going to be are going to, are going to overhype before they do overhype them. Then you made a mistake. If your yeah. if your argument is look, they want me to pay a dollar. I think it's worth fifty cents. Just because it's ten dollars now, I still think it's worth fifty cents. Oh, That's yeah. not a mistake in the sense that you know the, the the method, the process, the goals are still exactly the same. And yes, it still remains overvalued if if you're right. Look, so FOMO is a really hard emotion. We all, no one thinks that they're susceptible to FOMO. We are. Yeah, there, there, we all are. I forget it was a um, Oscar Wilde quote or something. He says that you know, there's nothing worse than watching your neighbour get rich. Yeah, I think exactly. I think it's so true when it when it comes to us us humans. Yep. So, yep. Oh, but I've gotten better at it. Like, there's like you could you could pick a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't go anywhere yeah. near that would have yeah. you know, in hindsight would have been fantastic. But ah, uh, you know, you got to you, you can't you can't uh, <laughs> let let that get to you too much. I think what you can yeah. do is is one of the one of the things that I have gotten better at is not anchoring. So when you do see missed opportunities, yeah, you kick yourself. But I think the best bet is always to remember, okay, well, dust myself off. Let's have a fresh look at this. Maybe I've missed something here. Now what do I think it's worth? And maybe maybe you'll get an opportunity. Even if you pay a higher price than what you could have, doesn't mean that you won't still get an opportunity to get good returns from here. So as yeah. long as you can de-anchor from that initial bias and 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 you know look look at things anew, you yeah. you you'll potentially get opportunities. But yes, I do think that there are a lot of technology companies out there today that are a bit crazy when it comes to their valuation. I, I wouldn't go near them. Okay. Afterpay, as we've talked about before, I think that that you know when it was what 130 bucks or something, I was very very keen to think say that as much as I think the company's got a lot of nice attributes, it's just not worth that much to me. At I, least. Said, I said that twenty dollars too, mate. So I'm not going to throw rocks from this end. Um, it's a <laughs> it's a well. This is this is so I, I will just throw the other side of the argument for the sake, and then we'll move on. But that there are things that technology based companies can do, or or or. Um, parts of their business model that are different from physical retailers, for example, right? Amazon can scale stupidly fast relative to Woolies. Afterpay can scale stupidly fast compared to Westpac. Mm. Uh, And so their ability to grow, to capture larger um, geographic markets more quickly, that is the one area where I think tech is probably the wrong word. Um, But I think I'll argue against myself here, getting caught up on the word tech might actually miss the point. Because if you've got easily scalable, fast-growing businesses, they happen to be tech because that's tech. That's what tech allows. So to some mm. degree, 
you know, it's is, is it growing fast because it's tech, or is it tech because it's growing fast? They're probably, mm. you know, it's probably uh, that's the distinction it might be worth making. But to some degree, if Afterpay does justify a two hundred dollars share price at some point, it will be because you design the software once, you go and sell the hell out of this thing, and all of a sudden, you know, Woolies can't sell groceries in in you know London, New York, or or I don't know, Auckland without mm. setting up stores, supply chains, whatever. Afterpay's got to just kind of say to a retail, hey, could you mind just you know when when they pay. Click, press this button. I mean, it, yeah. it's not quite that simple, but it's not much, not much harder than that, mate. The the sheer size of the market, and again, I, you don't know what example comes to mind, but the sheer size of the market and the pace of growth. I, I again, I, I'm arguing against myself to some degree, but to me, it is that sense of it may not be that tech is enough, but there's also again, I talked about before about you know looking at mining again and saying have the rules changed. I think the ability for businesses to grow and scale at pace. And, and using technology where you're buying it once or you're inventing it once or you're building it once and then you can use it as many times as you want, it, it is to some degree, I mean, that does turn the world that we knew when we were kids on its head. If you were analysing a business, you, you couldn't, you know, there's there something you pick yourself up from the 1980s and say, right, go and analyse Woolworths and you do a really, really good job. But if I said to you, go and analyse Afterpay and you've been, born, you, you, you've been in deep freeze since 1980, you couldn't get close to the valuation until you actually were able to comprehend what actually has changed, which is just that sheer speed, pace, and scale. Yep. It's been an epiphany that I was late to the party on, but we're still plenty early enough to take advantage of. And I say that because I think that's probably still true. So I rem- I was, I'm old enough to remember, I was working in the industry at the, the tech boom and tech wreck mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. And everything that people were saying about the internet, as I've said before, yeah. it, it, actually, it actually came true. I mean, it was sort yeah. of like, a, obviously it was a bubble, and there was a lot of ridiculous pricing involved in there, but yeah. but the the broad thesis of what technology meant and what it could do was was true, and we've seen it play out over over twenty years. And I I genuinely think in terms of I, I, our kids will look back at our age at what the inter, what the internet is today and go it was laughable, like the way that we look at Ask Jeeves in nineteen ninety nine. The you know it's just all the first version of Twitter. It was just you know we were cavemen. Um, so I <laughs> so I think I think. That doesn't mean that you just put any price on anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying yeah. that, but but I think that as an investor, you need to embrace that idea that these are at least potential uh, outcomes for these kinds of businesses, yeah, and you should value them. You should value you should value them accordingly, while at the same time not being too you know mm-hmm. ahead in the clouds. Yeah, it's a good point. I I just think it's really important to break it down past the labels both ways. Right, tech is not a good, tech is not enough. But equally, Amazon and Woolworths aren't just retailers in the same way. And I think yeah. if you can if you can manage, work through that nuance and understand the difference. I know I'm an Amazon shareholder. I'm not a Woolies shareholder. I actually love Woolies as a business. It's great culture. Um, one of the businesses I would love to own it if it got cheap enough. And I missed an opportunity about twenty bucks a couple of years ago, which I'm still kicking myself over. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a remarkable um, there's a remarkable lesson I think in in when. The, the differences tech has made and by the way doesn't make and, and why you shouldn't just as you say mate buy or, or not buy any miner just because they're a miner um, mm. you shouldn't buy tech just because it's tech nor should yep. you assume that all tech must be there for just retail or just whatever it is um, Netflix is not just the same as event cinemas or Channel 7 right there are very very different mm. things about that business mm. that are worth yep. mentioning mate before we finish up um, I don't really want to talk about this thing but you're making me um, I, we were going to mention it last <laughs> week we ran out of time and, I know and what I was going to say <laughs> well, I was going to mention it last week, and I was, I was feeling really good about it last week, mate, because Bitcoin, well, yeah, Bitcoin, uh, I, own, I own a little bit for the record, 100 bucks worth, uh, was 63,000 US dollars back in April. 
And last week, it was about $29,000. US It had more than halved in three months. And I was going to make a bit of song and dance, have some fun with it because, you know, who doesn't like to pick on Ram? Um, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I do. Unfortunately, fun for the whole family. Unfortunately. Well, so it, fell, it halved between April and July. I'm still ahead. I'm still going to claim bragging rights. But since almost exactly this time, actually it was Tuesday this week, they hit a low. I uh, Sorry, Tuesday last week, it hit a low of $29,789 US. It's now back to forty. Thousand US dollars. Um, that's a thirty percent gain in in a little over a week after a, you know a, a halving over the previous three months. I don't even. I mean, look, it was more fun when I got to say, "Ha, look at Bitcoin." I don't get to say that quite so much anymore. Although, as I said, I'm still taking bragging rights. It has been all over the place. It 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 jumped when, of all things, Amazon put a an ad out for a digital currency and blockchain manager, or whatever they call the role. And all of a sudden, that all, that's all you need to do. If you, if you, if you, I'll tell you, if you, if you work for a big tech company and you wanted to make some money on Bitcoin, you'd buy some Bitcoin and do something like this. Just say, oh, we're looking for a digital currency manager. And then just <laughs> honestly, the thing went nuts. Yeah. And again, it's a reminder to me, regardless of whether or not this becomes a long-term asset, you have a view, I have a view, and uh, frankly, I don't think either of us have a particularly strong view. We have a, an inclination as to one way or the other. Um, but it's just a reminder that like all things, but maybe, maybe like nothing ever before, Bitcoin is trading on sentiment in both directions, mate, in a way that is just hard to grasp, right? Like oh, yeah. Amazon might oh, hire a blockchain I, digital manager and the price goes up by a third. And, and, and again, mm. halving over the space of three months where not really much else has changed either. There's This is... How much is sentiment, mate? Two thirds, three quarters, ninety percent of the movements that he's in Bitcoin are sentiment. No, yeah, ninety percent uh, in the short time. I mean, it's it's just insane. It, it's crazy, hey? The, the, the I think I saw a really great chart a little while ago, which had shown the drawdowns. And so, what you do is you just measure the the distance top to bottom on all the okay, times yeah. that that's happened, and it's yep. like. So you, you miss that you miss that scale on something that's generally gone up and to the right over time. But if you just take the, the, yeah. the most late the latest high and then measure down until you hit a yeah, new right. light, a high and then measure down from there. I mean, the, this is like this just happens all the time. It's kind of like okay, but what's changed? Like, the price has changed and the price yeah, has changed right, radically, right, and it's because right. Elon Musk has tweeted something or Amazon, you know. <laughs> but what's cha- what's changed? No, nothing exactly. is nothing has changed exactly. there. Yeah. And and you know, I had I had a lot of mates who go, oh, the Bitcoin's fallen as if like it's a big godship. <laughs> I'm like, has it? Okay. I mean, I could also say I don't because I don't think there's any credit in saying this either. But I could also yeah. say, well, it's actually gone up fourfold in the last right. twelve months. Right. Exactly. You know, and and I'd be a total douchebag to. Pretend that I I expected that, and that you know my thesis was is that sentiment's going to be such that it's going to you know, quadruple in the next year. I don't know, and so yeah, yeah. it is a lot of fun. But for me, I've always said this is this is something I think that genuinely the technology is at a very early stage, hyper high risk. But it's one of those things. Whatever whatever uh, blockchain currency emerges as the dominant, I think the upside is just mm-hmm. insane. So for me, it's one of those investments that I put a small amount in because if it goes to zero, it's like, well, no no harm, no fail. Hopefully, everything yeah. else goes okay. But if it <laughs> but if but if it does go well, it's like if, it, if it's like if I offered you a, a a one in three chance of something happen. If it hit, I'd give you ten million dollars, and if it didn't, right. you had to, you had to pay me a hundred dollars. Well, the odds are against you, but you'll still yeah. take that yeah. bet every single day of the week. Right? Right, right. So, I think it's context. Context matters when you're talking about crypto. I think if you're, tra- I think if you're trading it, you're crazy. If you're, if you're out there trying to pick these things, you you really need to take a look in the mirror because you don't honestly know what you're doing. That's not an insult to you personally. It's because no one does on, on the short yeah. term. You can't. It's funny, mate. It's uh, I, I want to. I always want to describe it as a bottom draw 
investment, which is ironic because you know bottom draw is normally that idea of like you know so safe you don't Big have to bother looking at it. Type, yeah. Right, but in this case, yeah. it's kind of one of those same things where it's like if you're paying attention, you are wasting time and probably only giving yourself grief because, as you say, if in one, three, five, ten, twenty, whatever that number is in your head, mm. it, it does add some value. The only thing that can happen between now and then is you get scared out of it, mm. <laughs> right? You know, and not let the the thesis play out. It's probably a you know, there's a, there's an analog too in, in in investing in shares, I guess, to some degree of mm. for all of the for all of the topic we think you know for all the time we talk about BHP or Solpats or Commonwealth Bank being a bottom draw stock, and and you can make the arguments for those. There's almost an argument to say that maybe all your portfolio should be bottom draw stocks in the same sense that mm. you know uh, unless you're unless you're really dispassionately looking at the results, and we're about to go into earnings season, by the way, we haven't even touched on that. That's going to um, be fun, yeah. But, you know, like, unless you're actually responding really rationally to those things, the chance you get scared out of a stock just because of volatility is actually really high. And so maybe they all should be bottom draw stocks. We should be left alone. And frankly, you know, look, I'll come back and look either when the business changes meaningfully that I have to look like, Woolies is getting into blockchain. Okay, well, I probably should look at that again because I bought it for grocery retailing. Um, or, or, you know, Woolies profits doubled or halved. Okay, maybe you've got to have another look. But maybe that's the point, right? That even even if, if Bitcoin can be considered a bottom draw stock, maybe they all should be. Yeah, I, I forget. Was it Buffett who said that you want to buy a, a, an invest? He said share or stock, I'm sure. But let's say it's paraphrased. You want to buy an investment where if the market closed for 10 years, you'd be yeah. happy with that. Yeah. I think, I think it's again, it's one of those really simple things that's got a lot of power in it. So that, and that is very much the case in, in regard to what you're calling bottom draw stocks or in the case mm. of Bitcoin. Where yeah, it's right, sort of like right. If I am only allowed to make an investment where it's kind of like a bond that doesn't expire for 10 years, mm. I, I, I need to be happy with the money that I'm allocating there that whatever happens I just can't touch because that is kind of the time yeah. frame that I'm that I'm operating to and I think if you're right in any way in terms of your long-term thesis that's that's the kind of time frames you almost need to think about if you know if, if, if you want it to play out so anyway um, I think it's bottom draw I think Bitcoin's bottom draw I think you would you'd be crazy to put like back you put your whole life savings into it but you know <laughs> three maybe even five percent if you're super ambitious I think I think a sensible investor can do that and, and keep a straight face I can't keep a straight face, but I, but I accept that you can. And that no, no, no I, I, I'm, 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 the beauty, I'm the beauty is, mate, is that you you have to wait ten years to see if I'm no, right or wrong. Exactly, so. you're not planning to be on this podcast in ten years. Though, <laughs> yeah. I'll bail after nine so years. Today's yeah. date is the 29th of July, twenty. <laughs> Someone out there, put it, put a reminder in your calendar and send me an email on the 29th of July, twenty thirty one, and we'll we'll check when they do. When, he, when he's when he's off on his yacht in the Bahamas, because straw man's done so well for him, uh, we'll get him on the sat phone and uh, and check in on his Bitcoin investment and see how that's how that's panned out. <laughs> uh, look, I think I think yeah. This is what, what I do like about discussing stuff that you and I don't agree on because we agree on a lot. Um, is reasonable, rational people can take different perspectives on things, and it doesn't oh, even sure. make us right or wrong. In the, I mean, eventually someone's going to be more right than, than the other one by definition. Um, but it, but it does it does you know there, there are no absolutes in investing. There is no simple single way to do it. For all that you and I agree on, to be able to agree on all that stuff and then still disagree on Bitcoin is is kind of the point. So there's some, yeah. there's some value on that as well. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hey, will you come back on Sunday? Love to, mate. Try and stop me. <laughs> Oh, that's easy. I just won't. No, we'll, we'll be <laughs> just don't ring uh, sure, up. Sure, <laughs> if you want me to. I'll, so I, so I would accept I'd have to do the podcast myself, and nobody deserves that. So I will make sure Andrew comes back and sees us on Sunday. Thank you for listening, fools, as always, uh, to the Motley Fool Money podcast. We very much appreciate it. I appreciate Andrew Page from Strawman being my co-host on the podcast. He's a very good man, a lovely bloke, as you say. Uh, t- tolerates me nicely, which is fine. And I appreciate you tolerating <laughs> us as well. Thank you for spending your time listening to us. If you do get the opportunity, please do like and review the podcast. Tell your friends. I uh, help us 
just push it up the charts a little bit. Good for our egos, but hopefully helps other people as well. And if you haven't learnt a couple of things from this podcast, and we're not doing our job. So we hope you have. We hope it's worth sharing. And we hope you'll join us on Sunday. But until then, full on. See you next time. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.